Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guests are co-directors, uh, Mick Maggie. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having us. And Oscar Lahamar. Uh, close enough. Yeah, thanks for having us. Please correct, please correct me on air then, so people can hear how it's supposed to sound. <laughs> Oscar Lahamar. Thank you. Thank you. Apologies. Uh, we've not had many rehearsals, so I'm going to let myself off this one time. We've not come on here to talk about how I pronounce names. We've come on the podcast to talk about your movie, the old man movie, Lacked Apocalypse. Does one of you want to give us a brief synopsis as to what the hell that is about? It is a a movie about an old man who lives in a farm and he is visited by his grandchildren. And uh, the grandchildren now have to... Uh, stop an exploding cow because everybody knows that uh, if the cow's udder isn't milked for 24 hours, then the cow is going to explode and cause an lactocalypse. And you, can you add anything else to that, Oscar? Would you add any, any other more colors to that? I, I can. I can add a, a few colors. Like I think, like the the old the titular old man is the grand grandfather, and uh, he sort of is really set in his ways. And I think it's about like his ways of. Of doing things and uh, grandkids' ways of doing things, like really clashing mm. throughout the film, and I think that's where the conflict comes from, and that's why kind of like the it's very very early in the film, like kind of it was a little bit kids' fault that the cow gets away, so uh, you know, so that's wh- how everything starts unraveling. And I think like I think mine and Mix, one of our favorite characters in the film, is is uh, the antagonist, uh, uh, old, the, milker. old milker, <laughs> old milker. Uh, who who has actually survived one black dog collapse. So uh, and he uh, after that is is a man made thoroughly out of <laughs> milk. milk. Yeah, and he wants to get revenge and kill the cow. So this is like all those parties are meeting and chasing each other, and it's a really fun romp. I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine now for the for the listener that wasn't aware of this film where their imagination is gone given those descriptions thus far. Did we even? Did, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did we even mention that it's a stop motion animation? No, no. I was about. That's why. That's why I was saying. I was. I was going to say it was, but I was going to wait for see if you actually said it. And none, oh. neither of you said it. I did invite you, Oscar, to say if you needed to say anything more. <laughs> All right. I yes, I said everything beside, but but that I yeah. said everything else but that. But basically, I'll I'll jump in with with the main fact that it's a it's a stop motion uh, animation. It's a really colorful and adventurous uh, film with a lot of like yeah. creatures and crazy characters. So that's really important, the piece of the puzzle. <laughs> mm, and it has a really great scene uh, with a tree and a tractor that we <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed making. And I think it has the uh, longest fart joke in cinema history in it. <laughs> Is that going to be on the poster? The longest fart joke in cinema history? Oh, it should. That's a, <laughs> Stuart, that's a great idea. Yes. That should be on the poster. <laughs> Thank you for that. 
And thank you for everything you told us there about the film. For those listening in the UK, the Old Man movie, Lact Apocalypse, is available in UK cinemas from Friday the 2nd of June, but there is a series of preview screenings starting Wednesday the 24th at home in Manchester and then on to Edinburgh, Glasgow, BFI Southbank, Bristol, Truro, and then back to the London Picture House Central. And I think the Picture House chain are going to be playing it across their whole suite, uh, across the, all their cinemas on, on their Culture Shock film night, which is Monday the 29th of May. And you're going to be on tour with the film, aren't you? I believe Pat's your, your wingman, taking you up and down Scotland and England. And how, what, what's your plan there for the, for, the, for the nights where you're going to be with your film? Uh, I guess there's going to be a like and a so we get to introduce the movie and uh, afterwards answer some questions. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we, we are very, I am very excited to come to UK because I've never been there before. So to get to visit London and Manchester and everything in one go is exciting. And I guess, I guess for I guess for the listener who can hear your accent but might not be able to place it, do you want to tell us where you're from, the pair of you? We are, uh, yeah, we're from we're from a, a small Hobbit country called Estonia. <laughs> we are from <laughs> Eastern just... Europe. <laughs> we are Eastern from Europe, Estonia. Yes. Hello. <laughs> it takes a long time to get used to speaking uh, English for us. It's like you know. It's actually yeah. We're from <laughs> for me. For me, <laughs> you're not my first Estonian filmmaker. But uh, we have to be the first ones on your podcast, right? With the no most English. No, are you kidding me? Who, who's been, who, what Estonian has been on your podcast? Well, it, it's a bit of a fudge. He's oh, he's a Spanish filmmaker, but he's based in Estonia. Oh, Miguel. Oh, Miguel. Yeah, Miguel. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Miguel is a great guy. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah, I should have figured. Was he with uh, uh, Jesus? Shows you Indeed, the yes, yes. Okay, and the podcast episode book. that we recorded ended up being the DVD extras for the German release. Oh, well done. Mm. Cool, so cool, yeah. But you are the first Estonians, Estonian filmmaker, if that makes sense, to come on the podcast. So you've got a first. (laughs) Well, look, um, you also co-wrote this as well as co-directed it. So given the wild ideas that you were telling us in the synopsis, what was at the heart of this? When you conceived this idea, what was the little seed that gave, gave us the flower that is the movie today? To be honest, I think that, you know, as with every movie, I think like the conception and then the brainstorming and like writing the first treatment is always the like most fun part because there you like all the ideas are on the table and you get to like, you know, uh, uh, to just like dream for a living, living <laughs> a little bit. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think uh, what made this, uh, making this movie special for me was that uh, I think we clicked with Oscar very well and it was like a very enjoyable process because we were really like in tune and uh, I think we've uh, like discovered each other as like fellow film nerds or film geeks so we we were coming from different places but I think we really like shared the love and enthusiasm of like making this kind of film and like the like we wanted to make it like good you know so you know we wanted to uh, give us our best and it was fun to make it I think I think uh, most British uh, viewers won't know that the character of Old Man actually is created by uh, Mick and uh, his uh, university uh, friend uh, Peter Rizzo, and they together created the character years ago as, as students, and it sort of became a viral, like, just a basic character, like Vanames or in Estonian or Old Man yeah. uh, was this claymation character. Uh, and it, it was sort of weirdly went viral, and and it's, it's one of the most bizarre pop culture phenomenons in Estonia. It's, it's this weird, scary, really raunchy, uh, bizarre, bizarro character went viral, and and they did like a bunch of really cool sketches, and old man started sort of popping up in commercials, and it became such a small like niche pop culture phenomenon yeah and then at one point uh, somewhere in 2017 probably uh they they decided to uh, make a feature-length uh, film of this character which was a wild idea like now you see the film but the inception of it was even wilder in the sense that no one thought this could even be a feature-length character uh, or feature-length film character and that's and that was that's the point where Mick got me on board and and we sort of loosely knew each other but in the making of this film we became very good friends what became what do you remember being the main storytelling challenges about expanding what was a short viral thing into a you know ninety minute full length feature? 
Um, I think one of the uh, like the uh, criticisms that we got like early on was like when we explained the idea of making a feature length film based on this old man character, because like uh, he was mainly known from the sketches. So everybody was like, oh, how can you like stretch this sketch into like a feature length film? It's never going to mm. work. So maybe the hardest challenge was to like uh, give the world like some kind of depth or to expand this universe like and uh, and uh, the characters in the sketches. Uh, mainly the children characters are very like how do you say like thin or their character is just like oh they like react to whatever grandfather yeah, is yeah, doing yeah, yeah. but though we had the challenge okay we're going to spend like an hour and a half almost together with them and so this like uh, high-pitched whining is going to get like annoying at some point for sure so like let's make them a little bit older like let's give them names etc so uh, so yeah I think expanding the world was like one of the biggest challenges maybe okay and what about you oscar what do you remember being being challenging from a storytelling point of view oh totally everything that mick said and i think like uh that uh, there's also this uh, sort of this balancing act of uh create like giving this like mick said at the uh, at the beginning like we wanted to make it like really good in the sense of course every filmmaker wants to make a good film but we wanted to make it like i think it was sort of our like on our masthead mick like we wanted to make like uh, uh, not a not an old man sketch as it was before. We wanted to make an old mm. man movie, like a yeah, movie, movie for yeah. a big mm. screen, like and in the way that we will probably talk to you, Stuart, about our influences, like later on. But I mean, we grew up on watching like big movies on the big screen and widescreen format, mm. and you know, and and it seemed so silly to take this stupid little claymation uh, sort of character and put it on a big screen and like make it so, so that it had to be epic. And I think that was like kind of tricky because. To root this very absurdist character in this epicness, we we want we we did give it like um, uh, uh, we we really gave it like a sort of a structure of a quite you know uh, hopefully like a solid enough story structure of a sort of Hollywood blockbuster movie. But then the the balancing act to answer your question, like the balancing act, then became like okay, how not to make it, how to still be like retain this absurdist energy of this character and not make it just like a flat, I don't know, like Transformers movie and still be like sort of quite wacky and crazy and unpredictable like the character was, like very like punk rock type of sort of weird origins of this character to yeah. retain this DNA in this structure. Mm. And, and there were a lot of like practical difficulties like how to make the like the other like the, you know, we had like how, how, how will they milk the other of the cow and how to make the we have to make like different lengths of this, how do you say that? Teeth, or the other, yeah, other, yeah. But what's the but what's the thingy on the, the teeth? Yeah, the teeth of yeah, the other. Teeth. Yeah. So like, how how will they like, stretch? And then I remember like sitting with Oscar and it's like uh, young like puppet makers and artists, and we had this like other. No, the teeth isn't like you know it isn't flexible enough, and like discussing the uh, like the bear's ass and like uh, like how to make they were really challenging to do to be honest yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it was such a surreal like we were you sort of forget in the making of it because it's it's very challenging and very stressful also and you know in, in days but you have this weird surreal moments where there's like 10 grown grown up people sitting behind a round table really serious and just you know pointing yeah. to a bear's asshole which is you know, done from silicon and wire because it's the asshole just isn't right. Yes, asshole it's, isn't it's, not, it's not working, you know. Because there's a huge just for the listeners <laughs> who haven't seen the film, there's a huge plot point in the film, which is a bear's butt, you know, essentially. And that's the tone of the film also for everyone who hasn't guessed. There's like a huge bear's butt and stuff happens around it and inside of it. And and we just were really explain like no guys who don't understand the butt has to be flexible, but it has to be, you know, like also not too gross, but kind of gross and you know and and that was basically every day on this film. It's insane, yeah. For the filmmaker list, who's listening who might be used to making live action, what would you say are the pros of doing claymation over live action, but then what become the cons, i.e. the challenges of doing claymation over live action? Well, you, you have a lot more control, I guess, over like the, the setting and the, like the characters. And like, well, when you start out with animation, there is like nothing in the frame and you like decide like, of, about every detail like you have the like maximum control in a sense but the downside is it takes so long <laughs> so like if you have a joke like oh yeah it's the bear's ass or whatever and uh, at, in that moment it's super hilarious 
But then like six months later, <laughs> you're still making the soap. So it becomes like a marathon. So because it, yeah, it takes so long to make it. So, so that's maybe one of the challenges. To how to I mean, just to that. give us a full pitch then. So, so the runtime of the old man movie is how long? Uh, like hour and 20 minutes or so, okay. around that. And, 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 and from a production point of view, how long did that take to complete? Well, absurdly, uh, like little time frame, actually. I think we like animated it like uh, what, like under a year even. Under or, a year, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which for anyone, year, who yeah. Is, who, anyone who has worked in stop motion animation will know that this is, you know, absurd, yeah, yeah. like Mick said, absurdly short time. Mm. I think the whole, the whole film the, from the inception of the idea, like our first meeting behind the round table, until the premiere was yeah. was it like two years, Mick? Two like years, yeah. Which wow. is like even for a feature. For film, a feature, I mean, that's that's really that's Ferrari speed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And now imagine like you have to <laughs> shoot every single frame, you know, individually. So that's even you know, it's even crazier. So mm. so if, if if the freedom is one of the pros, what would you say is the cons I mean cons the wrong word, but what are the challenges of claymation versus um live action? I, I would actually expand on Mick's point. I think uh, that uh, it's that you have to create like the strength of it is that you have uh, like like Mick said, like everything in the frame you put there, and you have complete creative freedom. And the con is that everything in the frame you put there, and you have creative freedom, <laughs> which, <laughs> means, which sense, essentially uh, means uh, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Got you. Got you know, me. Like, uh, so so you have to I wanna, just on a practical side you have to literally build anything so there's a lot of you know, our budget was of course super super slim and and we had a super great crew with, but very skeleton crew like very in the sense of very small crew and so so yeah our imaginations ran wild but at the same time we also had to you know we had deadlines and budgets and we had to mm. yes you can put anything in the frame but there's a lot of the time you have to oh shit we have to you know like Maybe like not not even cut the corner, but I mean every filmmaker will know you have to like compromise, you know, within reason at all yeah, yeah, at, yeah. at every step of the way, basically. So so it becomes yeah this sort of struggle of yeah we can put everything in the frame, but what can we? What do we have? What do we have time for? What should we put? You know, like that's that's crazy. Yeah, every mm. with every frame basically. Yeah, and also like I guess the spontaneity or like uh, once you are shooting something, then like uh, to tell the animator like. Mm, yeah i know i told you to do that but we're gonna do it like differently again so like to look at his face after a week of animating like what do you mean like so i, I guess okay. in live action it is easier okay let's try this and let's try that etc until you get something or in the editing you get you have more like uh material you can choose from but but in this live like in uh, yeah claymation you shoot something and then you have it and uh yeah it's much more expensive to like shoot it again so in that sense then when you're in the screenplay stage you really have to interrogate the screenplay to know what it is you want the animators to then create. You can't like, like you say with a, with live action, you've got reshoots, you can go back again, you know, I mean, they still cost money, but if you've paid, I guess if you paid a claymation animator to do something and then go, Oh no, it doesn't work for the, somebody says that doesn't work for the story. Then you kind of, you've just cost yourself money for nothing. Haven't you? Pretty much, yeah. But but you know, filmmaking in general, it is like when you start making something and you see it on the screen, it's such a natural part of the process that then you get some new ideas and oh, of course this doesn't work now that I see it because of like A, B, or C. So it was uh, it's hard in that sense to be because claymation, like doing something again, is like yeah, it's more expensive. Or yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, no, it's different budget levels. But I've I've heard I've I've heard filmmakers who've worked on Pixar movies talk about the same thing, you know, with the animators they work with. It's a case of you can't just keep trial and erroring. You have to be, yeah, like, yeah. sure mm. what it is you want to do. Mm. I mean, I, I guess there's this... Uh, well, of course, with Pixar, and I mean, Mick has... So my background is actually in live action, and Mick is a sort of lifelong animator, and he he also does, like, 3, 3D and 2D and, like, computer animated stuff. And okay. I remember when we were doing this... Uh, stop motion thing that make you were always like fuck if this would be you know like if this would only be uh you know computer you wanted to do your next thing on the in cg uh, basically because because you have a little bit more the, the principle is the mm, same mm. and you cannot do a million takes but you have a little bit more wiggle room but the uh, mm. stop motion the notion of stop motion being you know, sort of you can you can like prep a lot yeah if you have time but mm. then once the animator gets animating then you you sort of within reason but you 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 get what you get right like you can still mm-hmm. tweak it a little bit and post clean it up maybe a little bit 
but you 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 have what you have then. So yeah, like asking for second or th- I mean a third asking for a third take is already like absurd in stop motion. Like that's not you know you you people get very mad. But I think like uh, uh, in with this film, I think it was really because the film and the character and the film are sort of inherently so absurd. And, you know, I, I keep saying this word like punk or sort of like like almost like anarchy characters that yeah sort of i mean go, i mean one one, one uh, of the reviews on on 606's website describes it as being gloriously unhinged and terrifically transgressive so you know that's that's <laughs> punk that's a punk very punk rock sounding re- review of the film so i understand what you mean i mean that and by the way if someone says about it, feels this watching the film we are i think i mean i don't know about you mate but i'm very flattered by this i think this is certainly something that we were going for but i think how we reached it uh was a little bit almost by accident because i think mick had worked in animation but i, I don't think anything in that scale and mm. and i had never worked in animation so mick was you know really just throwing me the ropes in, in this world so the that the, the way you were asking about the uh the script i think we were doing the script at the same time as we're doing the storyboard at the same time oh, as we were building the sets at the same time we were already shooting because it was so chaotic and i think like at the time it was really stressful i, I know that it was very stressful for me at least but i think hindsight 2020 right like you i think that was the only way to make that film with that tone because it, it sort of was unhinged and it was a little bit you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. slapped together in the best kind of way you know so i think that really informed the, the end product What's some of the tricks of the trade, as it were, for making what essentially is is a little model on a table or on a set that you've done on a table on a on a counter or whatever, and then and making that so when it goes so we when we watch it, we believe these things are you know life size. You know what's the what's some of the tricks of the trade there? Well, I, I think at the Oscar was like really like uh, uh, good at uh, like framing the characters in a way that uh, you know they looked bigger and uh, like when choosing the angle and the lens and etc. I think the pair sequence uh, in particular uh, is like uh, good, like very well uh, framed in that sense because the bear wasn't like that big, but it looks really huge and scary etc. So it has a lot to do with lighting and. Uh, and uh, like camera work and also i think we had a lot of like uh, uh references to like uh, like matrix and other like blockbuster movies that mm. uh, we took influence from so we tried to imitate that in a in a way i also think like it's it's funny that i mean i came to the like i said i came to it like from a live action background and i didn't really know i don't know if i know now any tricks i did i haven't right, just finished last year early this year i finished my second stop motion animation a short uh but but i did it with the principle i did it the same way and how i lens it uh, is the same way i was the live action so i mean i mm-hmm. i mean we, we with mick we storyboarded i think we storyboarded everything in a way and and lensed it in a way that how we would do how we would love to see it in live action and i think like we didn't we didn't see uh the the small scale as sort of a uh, a sort of a, like a handicap or like yeah. uh, like like a downside or anything. I think we we did everything the way you would do as if you would. Mm. All, all really the same rules apply pretty much. That's a little bit of an introduction to the old man movie, Lact Apocalypse. Thank you for sharing some of the experiences and challenges making that movie. I'm going to remind people that film is released in UK and Ireland cinemas on the second of June. Um, I missed out one of your preview screenings. You've got uh, 18th of May, you're at the Flatpak Birmingham. Um, then the 24th of May, you're at home. Then it's off to Edinburgh. And then the same night, you're playing Glasgow. So two Scottish dates in one in one evening. That's good going, guys. Um, the BFI South Bank, Watershed Bristol, et cetera, et cetera. I'll put a link into the show notes so people can see this, uh, can check it for themselves to see where it's playing local to them. <laughs> But congratulations on your movie. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I'm going to see it when it hits my hometown of Hackney Picture House. Um, So hopefully you'll be be around for that, I think. Um, But let's get on to the real business of the podcast. Three films that have impacted everything in your adult life. Uh, Now, you are part of an experiment because you're the first time I've had two filmmakers on at the same time doing this. So what I suggest we do is we alternate between each other's choices. I have, just for the benefit of the listener who's not familiar with the format, 
Mick and Oscar have both given me um, their three choices. We're going to talk about those movies one at a time, and we're going to talk about them two against the clock. So every time the five minutes are up, we're going to hear this sound. You can hear that at your end, guys. Yeah. 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 I'm going to start with you, Mick. So you just take a deep breath for a second. Your first choice is The Thing. Do you want to tell us how does how does a film like The Thing have an impact on your adult life? Where does that start for you? Uh, because it had a really great impact on my like uh, young uh, life yeah, as a child. I remember I saw this film from TV and uh, I really didn't know like what to, uh, to expect or like what movie is going to start. It's a sort wow, UFO flying and I thought it's going to be something like Star Wars or something. So I was like, yeah, like, that's not boring. And so I'm going to watch that one. And like, I still, for 10 years, I think I had like nightmares from the monsters and the music and everything. I loved it. I loved the film, but it was like so suspenseful. And for my young mind, all those young, the monsters and everything, they were like, so like, uh, they left such an impression on me. I have never, I had never seen anything like, like it. And the music, like the dun dun, the Morricone and Carpenter music, like the score, it was like, uh, yeah, I, I felt uneasy, like listening to these notes for very, very many years afterwards. And I think I have seen this movie like, uh, like 20, 30 times or something. Like now, now that I'm older, I don't, I'm not afraid of it anymore. But it's uh, still, I think it's one of the most like suspenseful movies I have ever seen. And all the practical effects are like just so well done and like so, uh, so memorable and cool. So yeah. So what? what that, when that did you? The, what yeah. age were you when you first saw it? Then when you say you were young, how old was you? I think I was like maybe, maybe nine or something. Or, or that's something that's like a good age young, to get yeah. nightmares from a film like The Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I remember I I saw like a film with this like. The scariest film that I had seen uh, until that time was like a film that had like this classical gray aliens with like big black eyes, and I was like, oh, having nightmares of the gray aliens. <laughs> so, so uh, I was pretty easily scared by aliens, and so yeah, I saw the thing, and and yeah, and also <clears throat> the movie, the main character of the like the Kurt Russell guy was such a, like a cool pro- uh, protagonist as well. And uh, yeah, so for uh, I remember it just like uh, left such an impression on me. And, and, as, um, and as a nine-year-old, how did you come to choose to watch it? I just uh, randomly, it, it was like on uh, on TV, so okay. I didn't know like, what I'm going to watch. Yeah, I just thought, thought it was going to be like a sci-fi action movie or something. So it's like a, like a Predator or something like that. So mm. at the time, I was like really into like, uh, well, you know, this old uh, 80s action f- movies with Schwarzenegger and Stallone, etc. And so I was uh, thinking maybe it's going to be something like that. I mean, I remember one of my memories, a similar age, was I watched Friday the 13th, the first one. And when Jason jumps out of the water, spoiler for anyone that's not seen it, um, that was what, that was the bit that gave me nightmares, the very closing sequence, the idea that this supernatural thing lived on because my 10 year old brain couldn't, couldn't, couldn't separate fiction from fact. So what do you remember? What, what, what images were the ones indelibly printed on your mind after that first watch? Mm, to be honest, I think it was like uh, the setting of the Arctic and the music. It's just like, I think the atmosphere that was created was just so heavy. Mm. It was like so desolate and they were all like stuck and there was nowhere to go. So like the only place where they went was the like the other, bla- other base that was already destroyed. So you can see like, uh, like when you watch the film, then you're starting to think, oh, that's probably what's going to happen to their base. Like, so you get this like feeling of there's like no way out or very like very good uh, atmosphere. What do you think? I mean, now as a now as a as a grown up watching it, what what do you what do you think John Carpenter does that's so effective with the film? What is it that makes the because you like you say it's the perfect chamber piece, even though we're in the wilds of the Arctic, but it it feels like you know it's like a one room play in it in a way. There's there's not there's not there's not like a wild location or anything. I think there are many things that he does really well there, but like if you look past the effects and like all the gore, etc., mm. I think the characters are like very well directed and very well written. It's like they have like there is very little exposition in the film, so mm. 
it's like uh, you just like uh, are like you meet the characters, but nobody's like, oh yeah, I used to be like uh, I'm a Vietnam veteran and I am this <laughs> or that. Too. So it all you like uh, get to yeah, so, so there is not much exposition, but uh, how, somehow all the characters are so different and like they all have very unique personality. So I think that's one of the things, and uh, I think yeah, the music and the score also is like something that I would like to mention again because yeah. So oh, the time well time is up, mate. Time is up. Yeah. Right, Oscar. We're moving on to you for your first choice, genre-wise and tone-wise. You know, we're in a similar ballpark, but a very different outcome. Um, we're talking about David Cronenberg's The Fly. Do you want to tell us how that film has has an impact on everything in your adult life? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's. I think it's painfully obvious how because uh, I don't know. Maybe not from maybe not from the old man movie so much, but from my other work, uh, I, I w- love horror films, and I, I also write and direct horror films. And, and I think one of the things that I've been very fortunate one of my short films uh, to have one of my short films find its audience, and that was also a buddy horror short film called mm. Bad Hair, uh, which is online if people want to check it out. And it's it's. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, I never consciously, I don't like consciously all the time think like, oh, this, I want to do something, you know, quote unquote Cronenbergian, but, uh, but it's just, it just is, I mean, it's, I'm not like tooting my own horn. It's not nowhere near as good, but it's a body horror film. It's about a dude like popping pimples in front of the mirror. No, it's an amazing short film. Oh, thanks. Thanks. But, but, uh, but yeah, like that's that, I think that's how it sort of influences me, uh, to this day and i think like maybe on a how body horror in general influences me enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. It's just like I'm just fascinated by the genre. Just like the on on a sort of philosophical level, I I do think we are all just walking bags of meat decaying with every second until we are dead sooner or later. So I mean that's just fascinating. Like our bodily functions are just disgusting, and I think even the magical uh, act of you know pregnancy and giving birth is if you think about it take two steps back it's just like a nightmare <laughs> so i just i think just that's just so fascinating and 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 i think like i don't know it, that it started with the fly but that's certainly my first memory of ever seeing or witnessing something like that i mean how, how does the, how does the fly come onto your radar as it were where how are you first seeing it look i think i have to i have to be quite honest that uh, my two other films are 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 linked to quite specific memories. And with The Fly, it's a little bit more hazy. I have to say, I, I know for sure that I saw it uh, in, I, uh, I saw it in my uh, child, uh, like it was a second childhood 
home. We had moved with my family. That makes me probably like seven or eight years old. And I, I, I guess I caught it while my father was watching TV because I explicitly remember it, uh, watching it and on, on seeing it on TV. And I do think, you know what? I, I think I saw it sort of in fragments because I, I don't think my parents would have let me watch it. But I do remember it was it was in that room. I know it was in that in that living room in that house uh, on a TV. And I specifically remember there's a scene where Jeff Goldblum, who plays the main character, uh, he has so he's transforming. For those who don't know, he's a man, a scientist who does a teleportation experiment, which slowly but surely starts turning him into a fly because something has gone wrong in the experiment. And there's a scene where he goes to a bar and he's just at first is supernatural powers and the strength and confidence and whatever are really enticing and kind of cool and giving him a lot of sort of strength and stuff. And he has in a bar and he does a, a, a an arm wrestling match with a sort of bully guy and he breaks the guy's arm and it's sort of, it breaks it. It's like an open, uh, how did you say it? Like an open um, wound, open bone comes out. Oh, bone. Okay. <laughs> okay. Protruding broad. Yes, I don't know if you guys remember, but it's it's just it's probably a very short, it's a short scene and an insignificant probably if you you know in the context of a whole piece and this and there's so much gore and you know wonderful uh, special effects and and makeup and stuff. This is an insignificant scene in that sense, in the technical sense, but something about it is it felt like, and I think this is very much to Cronenberg's credit that he makes he, he frames everything. So like everything is framed equally, like everything, like, look at this, this is happening now. This is happening now. This is happening here. This is happening here. Like the whole film feels like, I think this film and all his other films also, why I really love him. It's like inevitability happening. It's like rolling stuff is rolling. Like narratives are rolling in front of you. There's a train. You cannot stop it. And and this is happening now. And I think that bar scene and that violence in the bar scene and on a larger scale, the whole film felt like that. And I had never felt anything like that before. And of course, as an impressionable young kid, of course, the violence and, and the horror of it, of course, was probably the thing that hit me first. But what's, it, what's, it, what's interesting about all that gore and horror is that at the heart of it, the fly is a love story as well, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course. And that what makes it so much more painful, so horribly, horribly painful, is that it's Jeff Goldblum. Like, he's the nicest guy. Of course, he's questionable ethics and and as he is transforming of course he you know becomes a quasi villain of the piece you know? yeah yeah very yeah. much like a you know he, he it, it's, it's very murky uh, you know he, he does really really bad things in the film but you really feel for the guy it's almost like you know marty mcfly would be store oh my god marty mcfly that was unintentional but marty mcfly would start turning oh. into a horrible monster and dying you know he's so sympathetic so yeah that's the magic trick of that film totally Thank you for that, Oscar. Mick, moving quickly along, your second choice of film is Braver. Totally a very different film than uh, than The Thing. So how, how has this film ended up having so much impact on you? I, I think uh, I was about the same age when I saw it. Maybe I was like a little bit older, but I was still like, uh, it was before I became like a teenager. So I was like, uh, not a teenager yet, but I was like a young boy. And uh, I remember the setting where I saw this movie was like at the private English lesson. And I was together with two peers of uh, like uh, of the same age, like young boys, like 11 or so. And I remember we were like very competitive in everything, like uh, like how well we could play Scrabble or whatever. Like, uh, And um, I remember the teacher like put the movie on and we had been watching like some pretty silly like cartoons uh, before that one, like... Like there was one about like a Massey or some kind of like cartoon character who was eating clocks or something. And so anyways, we, uh, as with the thing, I had no idea what I'm going to watch. And uh, I remember this movie, you know, it, it's very well made. It's very like epic. And it uh, it has like everything that would like, uh, that a young boy would like, like, you know, like brotherhood, like becoming a leader, like very epic battle scenes, everything like that. Uh, so, but I remember, uh, especially that like in the end, like, um, when it starts getting sad, you know, at this, it's so manly and, you know, he's captured and he's not going to like, uh, uh surrender and he's like, uh, going to like, uh, be true to his values, etc. And then they start like torturing him and it goes on and on and on. 
And I think like uh, 30 minutes uh, before the end, like I, st- I wanted to cry so bad, you know, but, but, but I couldn't because, the other, you know, the other boys were there. So it, it became like, you know, I have to like uh, tough it out until then. So, so I started like, <coughs> you know, doing the coughs and <coughs> so, yeah, but I still remember it. it was so hard. It was like so painful experience in a way, like uh, not, uh, you know, yeah. So as I remember, it was such a, like a tough uh, task not to cry. And I think I think I still like I, in the very end, like when he when he shouts like freedom, that I went like, <laughs> you know, I cried a little bit. And one of the boys was like, oh, you know, I was like, damn, <laughs> like, yeah. So I couldn't we couldn't bottle it in anymore. And uh, but uh, yeah, so the, and also like in that movie, the score as well, the music was like so beautiful. So as we think, they're very different movies. But in a way, like the atmosphere and the music, uh, it really like, uh, like you know, it it uh, painted a picture that like drawed me like into this world, and uh, you know, a little bit like in the Lord of the Rings or something. You know, the mu- music was a little bit like Lord of the Rings esque, mm. in a sense. Yes, I think the score was by uh, Horner, uh, James Horner, I think. So you watched this film at English school, did you say? <sighs> In, we had like a private tutor, so it was like me and two other boys, and yeah. so we had like private lessons that paid off really well. <laughs> they did, they did. So, but I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, um, where you've got a tutor lesson, and part of that lesson is a mm. three-hour movie. Did your, yeah. did your tutor <laughs> but, not want to do any teaching? <laughs> well, no, I, I, she was actually very strict, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess she was like a fan of England and. Uh, the movie in general so she wanted to maybe like shake us a little bit or you know she was something cool that, that she knew that we were going to like and like you know i don't know just she wanted to give us this experience so yeah but, okay yeah, i mean this is this is when... what i mean so you're you're essentially almost like force feeding yourself english language through a movie and then having yeah, to, we... to understand it yeah. as you as much as you understand english at that point yeah maybe, maybe it also had something to do with accents like maybe it was like she was like teaching us like, you know, the different accents and something. And so maybe that's why she shows that movie. Never thought of it that way. Yes, this is how Scottish yeah. people talk. Yeah. Hugh Mel Gibson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but now when when I have like uh, re- re-watched this movie, it's like very mel- well-made the movie, but it's so like Mel Gibson. So like it's a perfect movie for like a young boy, uh, you know. It's a perfect like adventure, like uh, kind of like an epic tale. But like now, when I'm older, then it's like uh, yeah, the thing has for me a little bit more like this, uh, you know, rewatch value. Maybe now that yeah. I'm older, but yeah, but still, it's a uh, it's a very well made movie. And yeah, I mean, three hours is a, is a hell of a commitment on a rewatch. The best the best of films, isn't it? But, but that movie as well, I have I think I have seen it like ten times at least. Well, there we go. There's the alarm. Right then, Oscar, we'll move swiftly along to your first day, first day out, your first, the, your second movie of your three. Me mixing my words up, looking at lists, getting bombarded with information. Um, is a film I've not seen, so I'm interested to know a lot about this film, not just the impact on you. So we're talking about Grand Day Out. Do you want to talk talk us through where you saw this and the impact it had on you? Yeah, so it's it's a Wallace and Gromit movie. It's a, it's a short film. So it's, it's the first Wallace and Gromit short uh, film uh, by Nick Park uh, called The Grand Day Out. And uh, I saw it. I, this is the one w- with which I remember very specifically, like where I saw it. I saw it in my grandmother's apartment, uh, on an old janky TV. Mm. And I remember the... I was on sitting on the floor uh, and the film came on. And I, I think it was, again, like as you would see something on, on, on the television, you just probably enter into it like halfway through or something. But I, I do remember very specifically. So it's, it's a, I should say that it's a stop motion animation. It's a claymation uh, animation. Um, maybe, I, I can't say maybe how long. It's uh, maybe something like 15 minutes or, or something. This is a short film. But uh, I remember distinctly that it was, it's a very funny, very witty, very fun film, but it somehow scared me. Uh, maybe I was like four years old, maybe five years old. Okay. But it's, 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 it scared me on a level that I think uh, uh, 
often claymation or stop motion films tend to do like something aesthetically in the animation and and then in, in their staging very often tends to be quite sort of eerie uh i think it's it doesn't it isn't there to that extent in in the other um Wallace and Gromit films, uh, which are fantastic, by the way. Like the whole, whole, like what Ardman is doing, the studio that created this film and the other Wallace and Gromit films, and Nick Park specifically, the director and, and brains behind uh, Wallace and Gromit, just fantastic. This is some of the best, honestly, some of the best filmmaking out there in general, live action or animation. But this film specifically is the first adventure of Wallace and Gromit, uh, a, a man, a, an, an inventor, and he's a very trusty a friend who is a happens to be a dog, uh, and uh, they travel to the moon because, as we all know, the moon is made out of cheese, and they are uh, cheese aficionados, and they want to have a holiday where there's a lot of cheese. And and there's something about the set design and the audio design and and uh, and this whole world. It's, it, it's very whimsical, very fun, but it's at times it's also very sparse and sort of a little bit like eerie, and it felt it, it scared me a little bit but really pulled them in to some extent, to an extent that I think I hadn't, you know, really felt at the time. And I think it's very different than the other animation experiences I had at the time, because of course, what, 94, 95 is when like uh, Lion King came out and, and uh, Toy Story came out. And that was the time when I was, you know, I was in that exactly that age bracket when yeah. I watched those films on the big screen. And those also deeply affected me, and I'm not like downplaying them at all. It was all very like rocked my world. But I think something about that claymation specifically, and probably that I saw it in my grandmother's apartment, who who sadly passed away like around that time. Also, I was very close to her, so it's sort of it's all those like memory weird, works in a weird way, right? Like I think this all those set like like the smells and the sounds and the feeling of seeing this film at the first time was this is all like melded together in my brain so thoroughly and uh, today as an adult uh, as just a filmmaker I think I mean I'm literally here talking to you because my stop motion animation that I did with Mick yeah. so I mean in a weird way like maybe I don't, I'm not like big on sort of <laughs> esoterics or something but I think like maybe it somehow subconsciously like guided like I knew that I had as a filmmaker I knew I had to get back to I'm not back but I I knew I had to get to that particular form of filmmaking, maybe subconsciously, because that's what happened. With your, with your filmmaker head on now as an adult, not the not the four or five year old that saw it. But what do you think Nick Park got so right? Because obviously, the the studio output has been a hit after hit after hit. I don't think there's been a bum note, has there? What 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 does he get so right with with the way he does stop motion animation? I think he just has a perfect like. He has a perfect blend of adventure and whimsy and really cool characters and storytelling. And I know I'm pretty pretty much, this is nonsense sentence because I pretty much said like, he's just really good at films, (laughs) but basically that's what it is. It's it's like a round, really well-rounded package. I also think that his humor as a, as a kid, as a teenager, I saw a lot of stuff like, you know, for example, South Park, which was really influential and, and, you know, team America, world police and all that stuff. But I think like Nick Park humor and like the Ardman humor, very specifically, it's so timeless and so like I don't want to like inoffensive in a way that well, you, I guess universal would be the word. Exactly, that's a perfect place to end because uh, exactly he, he's universal. He's very universal filmmaking and universal humor. It's what I think like draws people in regardless of age and nationality. Right then, uh, Mick, your final choice is, and in a way it. It speaks to a very esoteric three choices that you've given us. Um, I remember seeing this one at my local art house cinema when it came out. I'm indeed talking about Jim Jamoose's uh, Dead Man starring Johnny Depp. I chose that movie because uh, I, I I remember I watched this movie uh, in my teenage years. I think I maybe was like 15 or something. And uh, I just thought that uh, it was like the coolest movie I had ever seen, in a sense. It was just like the cinematography. And, um, you know, it's a very like poetic and existential movie, like where not much is happening. But uh, and uh, it is really hard to make this kind of a movie, I think, uh, so that it's really like good or like so it's enjoyable for others to watch as much as it was for you to make, in a sense, you know, so. 
it's like a very like uh, a movie that uh, someone out of uh, like this film school would make like in a way like but uh, i think the humor was like the dark humor and the poeticness and like the, the sadness and also like the the humor of the film uh, mixed with the cinematography and the music it like created such an atmosphere that like really stuck with me for a long time i just thought it was like very like cool in a sense like and uh, and also like the characters and the performances of like uh, Johnny Depp uh, the performance was very good and also like the idea of like him being uh, William Blake and then the Native American uh, character nobody who like wouldn't wrap wrap his head around the fact that you know someone can like in uh, like western world people can have like uh, two people can have the same name so because uh, and and him being named name nobody because no, no he was like uh, he who uh, speaks a lot but says nothing so the idea that he traveled to like was taken to the western world and saw all those things but when he was brought back like no no, no one like believed what he was saying so i don't know these like ideas really like uh, stuck with me and uh, and also the score the music the neil, neil young score i think is one of the uh, best like kind of like indie movie scores that uh, I have heard and I used to listen to that one a lot and I still do and uh, yeah so and uh, for me it was like I, I saw it at the time like um, it's, it's about like a character who's like searching for his place in the world I guess and uh, uh, as he's like the you know Tony Darko and Fear and Loading in Las Vegas and those movies so I guess I was like a teenager and like uh, in a similar place myself in life, I guess. So mm. like I was, you know, searching myself and like meaning and, you know, like who am I and what I want to do and et cetera. So I, I guess that's why those movies like really uh, resonated with me. It's, it's, it's fascinating what you're saying about, about the score because that's something that I, I remember well. And mm. then when you, you go back, you, you look at it now and it's like that was mostly improvised. By Neil yeah. Young. It wasn't like he, he mm. wrote a score, it was edited, it was this. It was like he literally did like, I guess he did, must have done like a performance either two or or more abstract without the film at all. And then mm-hmm. and then Jim Jamoose used what he got. Yeah. So, yeah, the music and the picture were, were so infused together. It was like, you know, almost like a very, it's in a very good way. So, yeah, and uh, come to think of it, like all the movies that I have chosen or like when I was like thinking what movies to talk about, like all the movies had very like strong scores and mm. I hadn't like really thought about it or the music was like used very well in those movies. So I think subconsciously like music for me is like such a like big part of whether I'm like going to be like immersed in a film or not. So, yeah. And in some senses and, uh, as well, I mean, I might, I might be getting this wrong, but thinking on memory, like where certainly US indie cinema was going, the idea of, a, of, a, of trying to do a Western period thing and black and white was slightly mm. obtuse to say the least, you know, in terms yeah. of what, what's the obvious thing uh, to do in 1995. And probably the movie uh, like did really bad in the box office, I can imagine, mm. like, terribly. And I think all the movies, the thing and, uh, you know, the, oh, no, okay, Braveheart. So no, Braveheart, Braveheart was quite successful, uh, I think it's safe to say. yeah. But uh, yeah, so I guess it didn't do very well in the box office. But I want to say that, you know, the Tarkovsky Stalker is a little bit like also like a movie of uh, like people searching their place in the world. Yeah. In a sense. But uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I remember I watched that movie as well and it was very intimidating and I enjoyed it. But in a sense, I think like Dead Man is like something similar, but dare I say better. <laughs> Wow, no, no. that's no, a big shout! No, 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 but when I'm, I, want yeah, it, I haven't even broadcast uh, it yet, and that's echoing in the film community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I'm not going to say the bell saved you. The bell stopped you from from embarrassing yourself even further. To be honest with you, excessive, more accessible. <laughs> hey, look, it's all opinions. It's all subjective. If you think it's better, no, I love the stalker, but with stalker it was that because I had read the book before, so uh, the main character was so whiny for me. So that was like maybe. He was like, oh, I don't want to be the stalker. Like, it's so hard to be the stalker. But in the book, he's like a badass. I'm teasing. Look, receive wisdom and subjective opinion are not the same thing. I think you can mm. you can think, I don't know, smoking the bandit's better than stalker if you want. 
Yeah. No, but no, make I, you think I, I you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I am wrong. I know I'm wrong. <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> On that div's opinion, uh, we're going to move on to Oscar's third choice. Um, a a movie, I think, even bigger than Braveheart, um, and certainly a movie that I think in 21st century, I mean, what is it, 1999, is it? Is it 1999? Yeah, yeah 1999. Yes. yes. Um, has arguably had a huge, amount on, on, a huge amount of impact on culture outside of it just being a movie. I mean, it's quite phenomenal, really, in terms of how instructive it was in terms of the fucked up mess we're in now. Uh, when it was because the Matrix is one of those perfect screenplays, I would argue. And sorry, I jumped in there. So, your third choice is indeed the Matrix. Do you want to talk about how how you come to see this the first time and how it ended up being a film you think of as having impact on you? I remember specifically where. Where I was sitting, I went with my. I went to see it in the Pernumai Cinema, uh, which is uh, from my hometown uh, from my childhood. And I went with my older sister Trine and her friend Lise, and uh, we were sitting. I don't know exactly the. I know I don't know the specific numbers of the seats, but I remember in the, it was a back half, uh, the right, and because the uh, cinema was completely packed. And I just remember why I remember it. There's a few of those pivotal moments in life, but I remember I was 11 years uh, old. And I remember watching this film and feeling like the ground shifting underneath me. I just, I just, I had never seen anything like this. And it's just, it's a kind of feeling that I don't think, you know, it's so profound that I think it's true for a lot of stuff that we experience as a kid and certainly a lot of films that we experience in, in youth. And there are a few of those films, certainly in maybe my 20s also, but but I, I don't think anything like this, you know, it was crazy. To me, this was a complete game changer. I had never seen storytelling like this. The exec- I think what, what like drew me in initially, and I think like for this first, first viewing especially, was just the world and the world building and the, and the effects and how, it, you know, the execution of it. It's just, I, I didn't even, I've seen it like a billion times since. I don't, I don't even know. I haven't counted. I watched it like twice every year probably. Uh, and I mean, I, I love the, some individual individual scenes so much that I've seen them like individually on YouTube. But I just want to pop on, uh, pop in the subway fight. You know, I'm just going to put on the subway fight, watch it for five minutes and then go on with my day. So I've seen this film a million times, but at this first time, I think I was just, so I didn't even get the philosoph- philosophical, con- you know, the context of the film or the undertones, the filmmaking. I just, I was just struck by this film because it's just, and I remember specifically one moment, there's one specific moment I, watch, I was watching this film, totally sucked into it. And there's a moment where uh, uh, where the agent, uh, Agent Smith, plants a bug inside our protagonist, Neo's belly, which is, by the way, just I just realized it's body horror, essentially. <laughs> it's very it's body horror. And this scorpiony, spidery-looking machine crawls into uh, Keanu Reeves' belly button and it's super well executed and I heard it's like scream screams and crying I heard like a child's cries in the cinema and I just like I remember like <laughs> panning from panning from my view of the screen to the left and there was like a six or seven year old little ah! girl who was just holding sitting next to her parents and holding holding her tummy and just like crying I don't want to be here <laughs> and I was like and I was also, I was a little bit older, but I was also like shell shocked. I was like, yeah, you and me both. You know, that was like, it was crazy. I just felt there was like every beat of this film, every horror beat, every action beat, everything landed 100%. And I think like, I, I you mentioned the perfect script, you know, and I do agree that it's, it, The Matrix has the perfect script. I would even go as far as to say, you know, we all understand that it's sort of tongue in cheek, but I would call it the perfect film. Mm. It's just, it's so tight. It's just the tightest film. It's just so good all around. So yeah, the Matrix. No, because because it's because on paper, it's an original. It's an, a ridiculous concept. The idea of being getting access to that parallel universe, which is the the Matrix, as opposed to the world that we think is real. But yet, the film manages to pull off that kind of sleight of hand, where you don't feel like you see the join between the world that we're talking in now and then this other world which is ruling what we do 
Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, and you know what is fascinating? Because, I mean, you're, I think this exercise is so fascinating. Why I really love that you, this exercise that you gave us, like films that uh, in our adulthood also sort of influence us that we saw as children. This film, I watched it so often and I watched it last time, maybe like last year, end of last year. Well, no, early this year, probably, because I was in a really rough spot. Like my last, last film had, was about to finish and it was sort of in a depression as you are and mm. when you finish like a long project. And I remember watching The Matrix and normally I watch it, you know, I get very different emotions, but I'm never like also moved to tears by it. But in the end, like the third act, uh, you know, there's this beat where like Neo, essentially, who is the one, uh, he, you know, Morpheus, he, he decides not to run away and starts, he starts believing him in himself. And, you know, someone asks like, oh, what is he doing? And, and Morpheus, who is the mentor, is saying like, he's beginning to believe. <laughs> and I remember watching this. I'm all alone, you know, with my laptop on my lap, and just like alone in a dark room. And then my, I teared up because I was like, I'm also beginning to believe in myself. And you know, like I, it became this this film, and through like hundreds and hundreds of viewings, had transformed into sort of a story of self realization and stuff. So it's like every time it's something new, and it's beautiful. It's a lovely film. Well, look, guys, that was a fun experiment to do two side by side. Uh, hopefully you got you got something from it too. Uh, one last question for you both, and if Mick answers it first, and then Oscar asks it. So, so, thinking about these six films, can you see the influence at all in these six from these six films in the old man movie, Lact Apocalypse? You you answer that first, Mick. Um, yeah, I definitely can because like uh, a lot of those movies are like blockbusters in a sense, like The Matrix and Braveheart, etc. They have a very like uh, the structure is like very in place. So that that's something that we wanted to do with the old man movie as well, and maybe like the Dead Man and uh, like uh, these kind of movies and The Fly and uh, you know there are elements of all these movies I think in that in mm. the old man movie in a sense. What about you, Oscar? Yeah. What do you, what do you see? What could you extrapolate directly from the six examples we've got that you might that people might see or you feel is there in in the old man movie? It's wild that you're asking me us because I think I feel that there's maybe yeah only Dead Man I guess I cannot pinpoint it but everything else is kind of in there like quite you know we really wear our influences on our sleeves yeah. too because uh, I, I it, there's like literally I don't know Mickey if you remember this but there's literally mm. shots that we took from the matrix like there's a yeah. moment where one of the characters slides down a, a pipe which is we literally we showed the frame to the team where like neos as he is awakened in the in the in the post-apocalyptic world he slides naked you know down a pipe and the editing patterns and stuff so it's like it's not even just like oh i wonder how it is influenced. it's like very because specifically some shots are taken from those films so i think like through and through, I think if you go and watch this film and if you listen to us here, then I, I, I think you will see all of those influences very clearly brilliant, on brilliant. in a weird way. <laughs> well, I'm just going to remind people then. So the film is officially out in UK and Irish cinemas on the 2nd of June, but starting on the 18th of May, there are preview screenings. I will put a link in the show notes as to where those are. You're going to be touring with the film. And then on the 29th of May which is Culture Shock, Culture Film Night at uh, at the Picture House chain, you're going to be in all the cinemas on that day. So anyone listening that, that wants to see the film, listening to this before those dates, uh, check the show notes for links and you can go see the film too. But it just gives me to say thank you very much. Give your time the Britflix podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Stuart.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.